having worked their way inside the Arcanum, the school of magical learning within the human capital of Mainstay. The party, consisting currently of Rolandir, Bardi, Brynir, Mick, Vamok, and Val, have disguised themselves as students and managed to sneak their way inside the archives and storage of a very special and dangerous part of the College of Artificery, where magical items and weapons of the utmost importance are kept. Now, at the top of a dark staircase and heading steadily down, the group is just affronted as you move deeper and deeper into the dark by this magical hum that shimmers against your vision and tingles the hairs on the back of your arms and necks. There's no light as you proceed, though there is some residual glow from who knows what seeping through the cracks in the cobblestone floors and walls and stairs. It's not enough to make a safe descent, and so you will need light to move any further. Val will cast light. So with these lights leading you down and Val in front, you reach the first landing. Looking into the room that you are presented with, it seems to be an underground warehouse of sorts. You can barely see 20 feet inside of it, but it just looks like rows and rows of large stacks of crates. It'd be difficult to move any of them or even open any of them without breaking something. Is my detect magic still up? Yes. Here, it's minimal. Okay. I I think we should keep moving, Val will say telepathically. And yes, you all still have a telepathic bond, basically a uh, mind group chat that you're part of. (laughs) Okay, so hearing Val's thoughts, Brynir will continue forward in this room. Moving further down, you encounter two more rooms of similar design and, according to your detect magic importance, as the detect magic spell reaches its end you come face to face with a room that is just brimming with a glow of this otherworldly aura and your spell comes to its conclusion. Oh, that room seemed promising. Um, I will cast it again just to make sure that we can identify the best possible choices here. The stairs do continue on downward further, but yes, this room seems to be a good choice as even right up front, you're presented with just glistening auras of magical energy. Stepping inside, it looks like an endless hall of narrow corridors between thin shelves housing small cartons. Kind of like in in the Order of the Phoenix when they go to the Department of Mysteries. Kind of like that, but instead of tons of little glass balls, it's like office boxes. (laughs) Well, I suppose we could just start opening things. I mean, if we're looking for some sort of magical weapon, don't we just want to find bigger boxes? Yes, I... Agree. Much like I didn't want us to spend too much time pressing into rooms guarded by young children, I think any weapon worth our time will be perhaps a bit more well-protected and not as, pointing to all of the boxes, numerous. Well, let us continue down this uh, endless hallway, then. You carry on for a good few minutes before the shelves start to widen, as do the walkways that you travel. And the boxes are a little more spread out, but they're no bigger. As the shelves actually come to an end, you're in a small clearing at the end of the room where you're greeted with two more doorways that are just pitch black heading forward. 
and to the naked, untrained eye, there wouldn't be anything of note, but with Detect Magic on, Val sees a very clear ring of wards that would stop anyone from pressing on any further. This is very much protected against us continuing on. Can you find out from the wards what characteristics of ourselves is against their purpose? Can I, like, read them or do any sort of check on what they say? I don't know if Val would have knowledge, actually, of, like, the human runic alphabet that they use to... Probably not. Yeah, inscribe, so no. And Val's the only one who can see that? I mean, you can all, upon closer examination, you can all see that there are very subtle etchings in the ground, uh, kind of in semicircles in front of each of these doorways. Though, if you weren't expressly looking for it, you would have missed it. Good catch, Val. Taking a closer look, Rolandier looks at the figures a little bit. Does he recognize anything about them? Not a one. Alrighty. And then he steps back, scratching his chin. I have nothing. I have something potentially that could work against these wards, but if these are something specific, I don't want to risk it. Now, conveniently, most people do not, in fact, feel threatened by a backpack. And I managed to get this through security. And he pulls off his backpack, starts rifling through it. And he pulls out a small stoppered vial. And he says, this will be able to get us through these first series of wards. However, there is a chance that there will be more later. Do we want to risk it? Well, if we cannot get by them now, then we will not have the opportunity to get by them later. I guess what I'm saying is, are there any other ideas? If this is all we've got, I'll do it. But being able to cancel all magic near me is rather potent. And I'm not sure that I want to do so while searching for magical items. It will make me rather useless during the search. Because once I drink this, everything within a few feet of me that's magical just won't work. That includes all these items we're looking for. So if it gets us through this, that's great. But that'll take me out of the action for an hour. So if we need to move quick, in fact, if we need to get out of here quick, uh, I might have to try something else. That's a good point you bring up. I, I will try the one thing that might work that I can offer. And Rolandier stands back, and he extends out both hands, but only on one of them, his left. There appear these dark circles kind of intertwined between the fingers, and they just start branching out and moving slowly towards the area of these two wards, encapsulating them in an almost invisible dark sphere. He's casting Dispel Magic at a fourth level, and concentrating on it, and what happens? Are you doing it just on, on one of these? I'm, attempt- I'm attempting it on both, because it's within 120 feet. You have a range of 120 feet, but it is a choose one creature, object, or magical effect. Ah, uh, okay. Then the left one. The one where you still have a hand. <laughs> make a make a check, Breck. That's a 15. That's not enough. So this dark sphere of energy fizzles a little bit and then disappears. And Rolander just steps back and shakes his head. I can't do it. Bartholomew says, all right, then. I'll take care of it. But actually, as ridiculous as this may sound, something else just occurred to me. None of our disguises, at least not these magical ones, will work once I do this. If anyone finds us down here, except for good Mick here, uh, that's our problem to solve. If anyone comes down here and finds us, I do not think it will matter if we are in disguise or not. Can't argue with that. And he's going to take a swig of his... 8th level anti-magic field and all magical effects around him are suppressed for the next hour. 
in a 10-foot radius sphere. So everyone who had seeming cast upon them suddenly looks as they normally do. And right before your detect magic fizzles out, Val, you see the wards of these doors affected, neutralized as well. So that seems to have worked. Oh, does that mean telepathic bond is also gone? Yep. <laughs> so Val says nothing for a few seconds. <laughs> Those things will resume. Seeming and telepathic bond will resume for their durations after you step outside 10 feet, but you're all still within 10 feet. Bartholomew takes a couple of steps over while Val said, hey, we're good. You don't really ever know until you walk over the trap and Barty said this would work, so he feels responsible for <laughs> taking the shot. <laughs> you pass over the ward. Uh, what side are you going on? Uh, left. You head toward the left door, and as you pass over the ward, nothing happens. There are now just scribbles on the stone. Well, now I, I think that did actually, in fact, work. I'll stand on top of it. And Bartholomew's just going to stand on top of the runes while people walk across. Everyone uses Bartholomew as a bridge, and then you continue on in this dark doorway. A straight staircase leads down about 30 feet to a surprisingly bright room ahead. Did... The entire room go dark when Val's light cantrip wore off. Yep. In that case, once everyone is across, Bartholomew is going to kind of use Val's light cantrip as a measurement for whether or not he's too close. So if the light fades and he's like, oh, I'm too close. So he's just going to stay as far back as he needs to be for there always to be light. Well, then moving down, I assume Val's still in front. Yeah. You reach the end of this staircase, and looking forward, you see a large room that looks more like it belongs in a museum. There seem to be display cases and pedestals and large shelves that just cover the walls, brimming with scrolls and books, and in these cases and such are items. Some of them look to be weapons, and others are just completely alien in design. Well, this is interesting. I guess everyone can have a look around. And though you can't pinpoint the source, there seems to be an orange ambient light that just fills the room. The mock is going to start examining things, kind of taking a look around, seeing if anything calls to him, you know, <laughs> if he's drawn to anything, like like somebody's <laughs> skull or something. <laughs> Rolander's doing the same, it, paying particularly close attention for anything that he may have learned about during his 45 years in the kin system about magical weapons being used in the different wars or things of that nature or in his kind of studies at their... It wasn't a university they had, right? It was just like the... Yeah, no, like every school in kin lands teaches magic. Okay. Or just in the various educations he had. So he's, he's paying particular close attention for that, but also just anything that looks particularly vicious or useful against a god. <laughs> Val would like to pick out one of these, like, alien-looking, like, just completely weird-designed things and cast Identify on it. I'll expend the spell slot. What a sacrifice. I know. <laughs> Mick is also going to do likewise, but isn't going to touch anything as of now, uh, just in case there's more boards or things like that. Val, as you approach maybe this nearest thing, it almost looks like a wand of sorts. It's this strange gnarl of twisted wood that seems blackened at the end and pitted at the other side. And the closer you step to it and then cast Identify, you learn that it is able to imbue upon whoever wields it a Featherfall. <laughs> 
Val puts it back and goes, we, we have to go further. This is not... I don't know that this is quite what we're looking for. The others, you don't find weapons per se, but there are these implements. However, this hall kind of expands and extends for quite some time, and you see much larger displays. And even further down, you see something that looks like a suit of armor that's nigh on 12 foot tall. I don't want to meet the thing that would be wearing that. I, I don't know how far these go, but frankly, I think we should walk for as far as we possibly can. Well, myth among the kin, the elf kin at least, is that these tunnels are endless, stretching nigh throughout Egadon. So, yes, onward. If there is anything that catches your eye in particular, or perhaps even more than one thing, I could open a door to another dimension in which we could store a great many of these items, should we so choose to take more than we can carry. Would you have to leave... Uh, I seem to remember something as I was coming out of my haze about a door that appeared in the basement of the tavern. Would the door have to stay in one place, is what I'm getting at, and we would have to continually be bringing things back to it? The door would have to stay on the same piece of wall. Or, unless we happen to find a very large piece of wood upon which I could cast the spell, then we could take it with us. But anything short of that, no, it is not mobile. We can also just gather the items that we want and put them in afterwards. Yes, or at least until we're deeper in. Rolandia is leading the charge further on, unless, what's his bucket, unless Bartholomew is doing that because he can dispel things that we might run into. Bartholomew is going to keep up his... You know, so he's staying far enough back that the cantrip still works. If anyone sees anything magical, Ammon and Bartholomew basically assume they'll be like, Hey, we don't want to die. Come up here. Yeah, If we run into a door or more wards with detect magic, I'll wave Barty up front. And if it is a door, we'll just take it with us so the mock can use it. Yeah, perfect. You know Val, Rolander says from behind Val, who's leading the way with his uh, dispel magic, not dispel magic, his detect magic active. I imagine you could find yourself a uh, very suitable gift for someone like the king down here. Uh, I doubt he knows anything of anything that's down here. Perhaps some things, but I don't know. Just a thought. You want me to, to steal a magical artifact to give to the king as a sort of thank you for letting me into your court gift? I mean, we're stealing things anyways for our own uses. Power to the people! Yes, but we <laughs> I'm not opposed to stealing things for our own uses, but we're not taking them you know, to the person who technically probably owns them and pretending they are gifts, we are taking them to, you know, murder aspects, are we not? Oh, come on. You think the king knows anything about what's down here? I doubt we, it. We don't know anything about what the king knows, Rolandir. <laughs> eh, that's fair. Bartholomew, seeing these two converse from behind, about ten feet back, says, Hey! Now, 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 what are y'all talking about? It, that, oh, but I, I, could you could you speak a little bit louder? I wanna. Uh, are are we still talking of uh, speaking or communicating uh, telepathically? <laughs> yeah, Which is even better. He's like, can't. hey, what are you guys saying? <laughs> Wait, no, he can't hear it because he's in the anti magic field. He just sees you all like nodding at each other, and, like, <laughs> yeah. What I miss? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Val will say aloud, softly, but loud enough for Barty to hear. Uh, but just talking about getting the king a gift of some kind, I suppose. Ah, she gift for the king. 
trousers. Never have enough trousers. <laughs> Thank you for your input, Marty. <laughs> or, better yet, actually, he says again now back to the mine link, a, um, well, if you find anything particularly devious, a gift for this target of yours from Yakuda. Uh, unfortunately, there were stipulations upon my task from Yakuda that are going to require me to... I can't rely on magic, let's say that. Oh? Yes. I hope we are all there to help, unless that's another stipulation of Yakuda's, that you must do this alone. In which case, we will be cheering very loudly in your favor. You know, Relendi, I hope so, but I don't know that that will be the case. Whatever is the case, you'll be able to carry it out. Uh, Val gives him a look that's very like, I appreciate your support, <laughs> but it's also very misplaced, and it's just a little like, you know, thank you, Rolandir, <laughs> but oh boy. So moving onward in this Hall of Wonders, you now coming upon this large suit of armor is kind of the guardian to behind where it is just strewn with magical weapons and implements and armors. And there are things galore. Now, speaking aloud, this is what I think we are looking for. I'll identify something down here. <laughs> See if it's Featherfall again. <laughs> <laughs> the nearest thing to the group after the enormous suit of armor is this axe that isn't in a display case, but it is chained to the very rock upon which it sits. It has a wicked tint to it, as if it were made from pure obsidian, and though it appears fragile, almost like glass, it's obviously not. Just like a like a, like a hand axe or something, or like like a big great axe. Oh no, it's a great axe. Okay. Well, what about this one? I'll check it, and I'll cast identify. Burning another spell slot. I mean, I am actually pretty low on level one spell slots. <laughs> <laughs> so Val relays to the group that this is an axe of the Berserker. An old cursed Demlik weapon that, though immensely powerful to one who wields it, providing uncanny strength and vitality, it carries a heavy curse that could send one into fits of blind rage. Oh, shoot. <coughs> um, so this one is cursed. I don't know if that's going to be a, sea, a, a theme throughout uh, our escapades here, but perhaps we should return to it uh, after we investigate further. Brynir just says, fine, and then he reaches out his hand and touches it before he goes. Do you want to get some Jamba Juice? <laughs> <laughs> Patting Brynir's shoulder as he walks past him, knowingly, Rolander walks down a separate hallway of wonder and weaponry. And again, he's got the same checking kind of mindset where he's going through looking for anything that maybe he has heard of in particular or anything that looks particularly nasty for a god. There are a few things that catch your eye. One of them is a staff uh, that seems pretty similar to the one that Val used to, still does, carry around. <laughs> I think I have it still. It's one of those collapsible staffs now. And at its feet is a longsword. Both of them seem inlaid with these crystals that glimmer red and orange and seem to 
shimmer and move as you walk around it. The large crystal on top of this staff looks as if there's some sort of gaseous form that moves inside of it, while the hilt and edge of this weapon seems to be made of pure ruby. Val. Yeah. Perhaps you could, uh... Come help me understand these a little bit more. That blade looks particularly interesting to me, but who knows if it will send me into a mindless rage. <clears throat> we will find out. Um, I will cast Identify again. On which one? Uh, I'll start with the sword since Rolandir called me over here. The sword seems to have a few properties. Not only does it seem to have a flame tongue enchantment etched into the ruby blade, but it also is particularly vicious. That's what Identify tells me? When you score a critical hit, you deal an extra 2d6 damage of the weapon's type, and you can use a bonus action to speak the sword's name, causing flames to erupt from the blade, shedding light, and dealing an extra fire 2d6 fire damage to any targeted hits. Just purely based on Val's understanding of, like, the kinds of weapons we're looking for, and, like, Imin generally as an entity, do these seem correct? Like, is this what we're here to find, or should we press forward? These are definitely more powerful than the blades that and weapons you use, and at the very least have a magical property to them. Okay, so this would be a, a market improvement over our current situation of having literally nothing, I just realized. Correctamundo. <laughs> Woo! Okay, um, this one is not cursed as far as I can tell, so um, have at it. I will describe- As soon as Val says not cursed, Rolander's <laughs> hand is all over the hilt of that blade. And he is- looking it up and down, examining every nook and cranny of it, swinging it a few times in a more open section of this aisle, then nods approvingly. Yes, I think this one will do. Would you say that then you maybe take five minutes or so to focus on nothing but the blade? Oh, absolutely. Maybe even more. All right. Well, <laughs> that qualifies for your attunement. Um, I'll, I'll identify the staff. This staff similarly seems to be attuned to the element of fire. And while holding it, you'd have resistance to fire damage. It also stores within these sigils upon it ten charges, where you can cast Burning Hands, Fireball, or Wall of Fire for the appropriate amount of charges. Okay. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to take it with me. I'm not going to attune to it yet, though, if at all. Not too far away from Val, you see kind of on a mannequin, like a wireframe mannequin, these black robes that just, there's this energy that is just like leaking off of them into the air and there's this hum that fills your ears and your mind the closer you get to it <laughs> seems dangerous okay uh let's identify the robe it looks to be made of exquisite cloth of pure black adorned with these silvery runes again more of these human sigils that you don't exactly understand Though you understand just from its being and from this spell that the wearer wouldn't gain any special effects unless they were, one might say, attuned to its alignment. And in this case, this would be an evil item. I know who that goes to! <laughs> Do we? <laughs> um, and in wearing it, you'd gain advantage on saving throws against spells and magical effects, and your DC and spell attack bonuses increase by two. 
and it increases your armor class. Oh, dunk. <laughs> I wish I was evil. Barty picks up the robes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we knew it. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm not going to like... Can I just make start making a pile of stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Vamok, as you're going along, you see a pair of mannequins who seem to be in pitched battle. One of them holding aloft a big spear. The other one, a shield and sickle. Feeling drawn to them, Vamok calls out, Val, I do not suppose that you could also identify the particular properties of these interesting items. I can, yeah. I can identify whatever you want. Um, Val will come over, like, with this cloak and staff and just sort of, like, put them gently on the ground. <laughs> Every, just bring me whatever you find. I will sit here and you can just... I am your identify dispensary. Very well. <laughs> and Vamak will take the spear, the sickle, and the shield and bring them on over. So many spell slots, you guys. <laughs> um, so I'll spend the three second level now <laughs> to do this spear seems to contain a frost property that will inflict extra damage upon those that it strikes the sickle and shield however both seem to be very special they are able to act of their own accord the shield being able to defend and animate itself and the sickle being able to fly off on its own and attack things within 30 feet. I will relay that info to everyone. Very good. Anyone may claim the spear, but the sickle and shield are mine. (laughs) How long would you say has passed since Bartholomew, since we crossed the ruins? 20 minutes. Okay, never mind. Still in the corner, still got his little potion (laughs) bottle out, still cleaning. As Val is, you know, going item by item, checking off these things, Rolandir goes up to Vamok. Now that I'm thinking about it, do you have to be physically present, or at least be able to see the location where you cast the entrance to this alternate plane? I must be able to see it, or more aptly stated, perceive it. I do not need to touch it, but the further I am away from it, the harder it is to cast the spell. I see. I, I'm just thinking we, we have essentially, and he's, you know, he's brandishing his sword the entire time he's talking. We've found these weapons and items, but we still have to get Cat and Luna in here. I don't imagine that we're just going to be able to waltz out of here carrying all these things. Perhaps we can stow them inside the room, unless we're found down here and need to fight our way out. But still, I was thinking perhaps if you could make them an entrance into this plane or portal somewhere else where they could access it and then they go in and you simply let them out within but now I need to keep thinking so moving down the hall Mick comes across a wicked looking scimitar clutched in the hands of a flamboyantly posed mannequin (laughs) Mick is immediately just encapsulated by this scene (laughs) I bet you he doesn't even wait for Val. (laughs) Getting really excited about this. Mick also remembers that he wants to be cautious, so he also sends a message to Val. Oh, Valley, would you mind identifying what we have here? Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Yes, take (laughs) your time, please. I'll just be admiring it in the meantime. (laughs) 
that will set aside all the items. Can't you do like arcane recovery or something and get back some spell slots? I can, but it's going to get me back like a spell slot. So, <laughs> Oh wait, no, it gets me back more than that. It's fine. That would require still time though, which we don't have. Um, I'm going to go to Mick. As you go to Mick and examine this scimitar and you, you cast identify on it. I do. You see in this long, you know, wide steel blade, there are more of these sigils etched into the side. The hilt is done up with fine multicolored cord, and what looks like a bit of a tiger's tail almost like hangs off the end of the hilt, or like the pummel. This scimitar not only has a property of speed in which you gain two to your attack and damage rolls, and you can make an attack with it as a bonus action on each of your turns, but you gain an additional two to attack and damage rolls, and it has a number of charges where if you score a critical hit against a creature that has fewer than 100 hit points, it must succeed a constitution throw or be slain instantly as the sword tears its soul from its body. That's awesome. (laughs) But that property only remains for right now. You won't know until you attune to it an unspecified amount of times. I will pass it over to Mick and say, this is a very good sword and I think you should keep it. Um, I'll tell him what it does and then wait for someone else to summon me to identify something else. Well, I guess who's who has claimed an item so far? Rolandier has. Vamak has. Uh, Mick is about to, but... <laughs> I'm gonna say that Brynir's actually just going around and anything that he finds interesting, he's just picking up and putting it over in this pile. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I got my stuff I need you to identify. <laughs> just this massive horde so if there are any war hammers war picks uh pretty much any weapon morning star whatever it may be i think a war pick would be cool but that you know that's, that's just me talking so mick hearing what it is capable of and also seeing it immediately is like oh my gosh i have found my weapon and immediately goes for the scimitar and picks it up and claims it if you spend a short rest, you know, focusing on that, then you'll become attuned to its properties and be able to exploit them. Yes, Mick will do that. I, has Vamok been doing that with his shield and sickle as well? Yes. As soon as he claimed them, he kind of started tuning everybody else out, and he's just been going over them. He can't see them, per se, because he doesn't have Vakos with them, so he's just, like, using, like, Tremor Sense or whatever just to get kind of a general idea. But then he's like going over each facet in the metal, the curve of the the sickle's blade, the studs in the shield or whatever, trying to get a more vivid mental picture. Very nice. Brynir finds, uh, you know, you're just like picking up war picks and war hammers and axes and spears and tossing them onto the ground at Val's feet. (laughs) And as you're doing so, you do come along something peculiar, and it looks like a vial or, or like a bit of glass contained within kind of this bronze and iron casing that is so inlaid with sigils that it's almost impossible to see the separation between them. Like, you have to hold it right up near your eyes to see that these are actually different symbols and not just, like, an indented pattern. Inside, there is a tiny bit of liquid that fills up about halfway that shimmers a light blue the more you shake it. You have no idea what it is or what it does, but uh, as soon as you touch it, you feel lighter. 
emotionally speaking. And the more you stay in contact with it, the more you have like a, a sense of bliss come over you. Feeling the, this effect come over uh, himself, Brynir actually goes to Val. What does this one do specifically? Val will take it in both of his hands and cast Identify. Val also begins to feel this kind of light and airy feeling. And you immediately know why upon identifying it in that when activated and thrown, it would explode. Basically neutralizing the mental states of anyone that's in its radius. Reverting them for all intents and purposes to that of a child. For an unspecified amount of time. This is a one-time use. Yes, like it's a grenade. Cool. I will relay that to Brynir and pass it back to him. I probably shouldn't keep in contact with it too much. And then he puts it into his backpack. (laughs) Brynir, make a wisdom saving throw. That was a 13. As you replace the small grenade and are looking about for more weapons, you feel the slightest tug of desire back toward the front of the room where that axe lays behind the suit of armor. No. You should put on the cloak and then get it. (laughs) (laughs) Brynir will go towards the axe. Because let's be honest, he was going to go back for it and put it in the pile anyways. (laughs) (laughs) You would have to break the chains to move it. And it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be an easy feat, but you could do it. I, Brynir's going to try to break the chains. Feeling this, uh, would you say it's intense desire or is it just slight it's just a little pang of desire. Okay. Feeling this desire for this axe, Brynir thinks to himself, it couldn't hurt to bring it with us, and attempts to break the chains. Leveraging the axe against the chains, for its construction seems almost indestructible, you snap these metal chains from this stone block, and this obsidian-laced axe just sits in your hands, almost weightless. A fine weapon indeed. I think at this point in time, Bartholomew, you start to feel the effects of your anti-magic field finally wearing off. Awesome. (laughs) Upon him realizing that he can now interact with everyone, he immediately goes up and gives Reese a hug. I'm kidding. Um, Especially because it's Rolandier, not Reese. Um... Bartholomew is going to start investigating things. Unlike the other, he's not looking for any sort of... He's not looking for any sort of weapons. In fact, he is looking for... Using his own quite limited magical understanding of intent. He's trying to identify something that could allow him either the ability... I guess, really, I don't know. He's just going to start looking around. He's looking for stuff that looks like it could help him steal the power from something and or teleport for completely (laughs) different reasons. Okay. There's no ulterior motive here. Yeah, none at all, I'm sure. (laughs) Do do an investigation check, Ammon. Nine. You don't find anything in your initial search, and we'll circle back to you. So then as Brynir approaches Val carrying this axe. Uh, Brynir, is that his cursed item? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought it wanted her to bring it with us. It's, mm. it's got an appeal to it. Have you? You should feel the weight. I, 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 frankly, um, no. I don't. One cast, two great acts. Not exactly my thing, but the, it makes me very uneasy that you went back for it. It doesn't mean that I have to use it. It's, we're gathering weapons, right? 
See, I have many weapons now. <laughs> uh, well. Points to this mound. All power comes with a price. I say it is better to take it with us and where it may aid in our fight against the final aspect than to leave it rotting in some dungeon beneath the city. See, the mark has the right idea. Well, far be it from me to instruct you. It's alright. I'll leave it here for now, and then I'm gonna go search for more items. <laughs> Val kind of like puts his face in his hand like, oh my gosh, there's already so many items in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Bartholomew. Why don't you do another investigation check? Oh, baby. Okay. 21. Oh. You find a small circlet made of fine steel and gold. And on the front, there's kind of like a dial right on the forehead that uh, has small depictions of the different seasons. Bartholomew puts it on. As you put it on, you find that it fits your head nice and snug, and it looks pretty to boot. He turns um, to the nearest person, and he says, Now, I don't know too much about fashion these days, but I must say, this is just a... Fine, fine piece here. I've always liked the idea of something hanging on my forehead. Would you say it gives me a certain scholarly air? Uh, sure. <laughs> and Rolander goes up and kind of tinkers with the little dial, moving it to a different thing that it was already on. Bartholomew, upon having it tinkered with, he can feel that it's now pointing towards spring. And he says, uh, is it spring outside, Rolander? I don't know. We know the same. It could be for all we know. I can't believe I'm with you people right now. I'm just saying, by putting this on, it may be spring now that I've moved it. And he twists it one more to be summer. Now it may be summer. Perhaps you should not do that when we don't know what it does. (laughs) Ah, yes, sorry. I mean, we hate to make you investigate every single little item, Val, but... Better that I should investigate every item than you should change the seasons on a whim. Mm. No, no, I'm I'm sure we're fine now. I'll I'll give it a little look-see. (laughs) <laughs> when I get there, You'll get no, no worries. I'll just take it with me, and you know we'll we'll see where it goes. I understand that you've been doing a lot of work these days, Val, and I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing for us. You're talking an awful lot. Do you not want me to identify it? No, no, I'll take care of it. <laughs> also, don't like that very much, but I'm not going to fight you on it. Anything else anyone would like me to look at? I think, regardless, we should probably wrap this up soon. Either we teleport our way out of here, or we go back the way we came and. Well, it's probably already back to the time that those who were manning, those who would be attending the room we entered are back. We should be getting back anyways. Then he just looks at the pile of equipment on the floor. Do we want to take these or no? If so, Vamak, I suggest you open up your portal to wherever we can store these, throw them in, and be on our way. Very well. And Vamak will go. He'll just cast Demiplane right below the pile, and then he'll reach a hand in open up the shadowy door that has appeared and all of the pile will just kind of fall in. It's <laughs> a great idea. Um, Val will store the cloak and the staff in there as well. One more thing and then Brynir brings out this black gnarled wooden shield and puts it in there. Mick also will put his uh, suntar in there as well. Rolander, who has already firmly strapped his sword to his back asks Val. I'm assuming you can seeming this away, yes? Uh, yes, I can. Great. 
Then with the crash of this equipment falling through the door that Vamok has created and <laughs> firmly <laughs> slamming it shut, Rolander looks at the group. All right, well, we can either make the trek back, at least past where the warding was on these doors, although I don't know if we're going to be able to get back through. I think we should just teleport back to the bathroom. Yes, perhaps that is best. He thinks for a minute. All right, let's do it. Okay, thou will cast teleport. As you burn through that spell, muttering an incantation in your mind and expending said energy to move all of you out of there, nothing occurs. Well, that is not good at all. That spell slot is used, just so you know. That seems not to have functioned in the way that we were hoping. What told you that's the fact we are still standing here? I don't appreciate your sarcasm, but I guess I gave it my own, so what's fair is fair. I should think so. However, my what I what I meant to say was, I think we have learned something valuable. There is a decent chance that what we are currently going through is the effect of what we suspect might happen with teleporting. So we can't go past the ruins back there, unless you think you can go out again, Rolandier. And we can't teleport. Also negative. It might behoove us to go deeper and see if we can find another way around. If these truly are as vast as Rolandier was talking, there's a good chance that there's another way out somewhere. Possibly not warded in such an extreme way. Or we get lost for time and all eternity, but, you know. Well, all I can say is if there had to be a group of people that I got lost with for all time, I'm glad it could be you all. I just love our conversations. And for mock grimaces. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... I suppose I could give it another chance at disarming whatever trap it is that is beyond that door we came through or we go through, but my curiosity nudges me in the direction of what Bartholomew suggested to go deeper. What do we think? I believe we should go deeper. We have found the weapons that will surely aid us in our fight. Now we must find the teleportation circle. Which admittedly is useless without Luna. Perhaps some of us should seek to exit, and the rest of us should try to find this circle. I mean, if y'all don't mind spending the night down here, I can get us out, but I mean, I'd have to start cooking up my potion right now to make it work again. I was under the impression we maybe wanted to expedite our progress a bit. Perhaps I can be among the group if we do decide to split who goes back, attempt another time at getting through the warded door. Then should all else fail, I don't see why we couldn't stay down here perhaps a little longer through the night. It doesn't seem as if there's too many patrols or anyone coming down here all too often. No. It is also possible perhaps that we are simply too deep to teleport, and we might be able to do so from further up. On, well, unless the wards on that beginning door are what are preventing it. Well, anyways... I will go, and I will either take a group or lead all of you back to attempt to go through the door. If some of you wish to dive deeper, look for this circle. I will also support that, but we need to be unified as our group. I will go deeper. Rolandir, and of the group that you lead, we, or whoever joins you, is supposed to get Luna and Cad here as well, so that we can get directly to the circle. The goal is to, one, return with Cad and Luna, and two, if possible, to find out anything about the Lord's niece, Seton. We still haven't found anything out about her. Um, although perhaps we can do that later. I've had a thought. Um, 
on, along those lines. So m- they would find out very quickly that Mick as Ciro doesn't have any intent ability, but they, if we were to say change places, put myself in Mick's place, and then the two of you could go find Kadamuna and I could look for Setin. So Rolandia, Val, and myself will leave? Is that the proposal? I suppose. Bartholomew, Lamak, and Brynir will stay, assuming, of course, we can get to the door. Then, I see no issue with this. It's worth a try. We will be able to communicate. I can cast sending on you and figure out where you are, make sure you're still alive. Very well. Then, if we do not hear word from you within the next four hours, we will assume that something is wrong. And we will attempt to come and find you. Understood. Then, best of luck. And Rolandir turns to lead the way back towards the door. So you make your way out of this museum area and back up the staircase that you came. And you come to the top of the staircase, and though you can't see anything, um, or even really feel it, you know that there is this semicircle of sigils on the ground in front of you. And Rolander's going to attempt that dispel magic. All right. Go ahead and roll then. I'm sending all of my good vibes to this dice roll. That wasn't even a d20 that I rolled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I only got my a six. My good vibes are wasted. Yeah. All right. Now here we go. All right. That's hopefully good enough. 23. You feel the ward shimmer and fade as you dispel the magic of this effect. <laughs> I think it worked. All right. Uh, and he kind of looks around, remembering that Bartholomew went through first, but Bartholomew isn't there now. I'll go through first. And he goes up and he pushes open the door. And there is no door. Oh, there wasn't a door? Nope. Oh. Then he goes <laughs> up and he takes the few steps through where this would have been. You pass the threshold of the wards and remain unaffected. Ahead of you is the vast expanse of shelves and narrowing halls. All right. We should be quick about this. Let's go up as far as we can until we at least maybe hear that someone is ahead of us. And then we can either teleport or otherwise to get out of here. Deeper down, back in this museum-like area, as you go further and further, these displays grow fewer and farther between. And they also grow larger holding large you know, rune stones and pieces of architecture covered in glyphs, less and less weapons and armor and more archaeological uh, recoveries. Further still, finally, you find a small spiral staircase that goes down about five stories, if you deign to take it. Oh, we deign. <laughs> and deign you do. As you reach the bottom, you come to a room where a small pedestal is in the middle. And you see, as you walk into the room, that very similar, if not identical, rooms sit on every exit. So it looks like as you peer off down one way forward or the other that you see an infinite repeating amount of these simple square rooms with pedestals in the middle. Vamak taking stock of the room as best he can. He just says... Are there any runes? Any writing? 
to indicate what the purpose of these rooms are. I just do want to take stock real quick. Did did everyone, you know, step from these stairs into this room? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, as Brynir and Bartholomew look around, the way you came is no longer there. These stairs have disappeared. And the room then behind you is now an identical copy repeating an infinite number of times as far as you can see of these square chambers just connected in a grid. Well then it would appear that like blundering fools we have walked directly into a trap. That it would. A voice slick and oily pervades the air around you. I haven't had one such as yourself in a long, long I think you'll make an excellent snack. Come, get comfortable. 